Was there an Adam? Was there an Eve? Or did we evolve from what we conceived? Either way, we got what we needed when the sun shone down on the Garden of Eden. Don't you know we're gonna have a solitaria? Hey everybody, this is Harvey Sluggo Wasserman, back for the 110th, count them 110, uh, Green uh, Grassroots Emergency Electric Protection Coalition. We are engineered, as always, by the great Mike Hirsch and Steve Caruso with Wendy Learman, Joel Siegel, uh, Tatanka Bricka, uh, so many great people, uh, John Steiner with us, um, uh, Dennis Bernstein from uh, Flashpoints, Dorothy um, uh, Reich from Heaven, and uh, Tatanka, you're with us. That's great. We're going to do a very heavy uh, environmental agenda in the second half of today's program. Uh, we're going to start uh, with election protection, as we usually do, with the great Emily Levy, who is of scrutineers and who's going to give us an update on what's going on with that. We want to talk about um, uh, Constitution Day um, and uh, many, many other issues. Florida, uh, Martha's Vineyard, um, uh, and uh, the, uh, uh, the willingness of the right wing to completely ignore referenda which have been passed by, by the, uh, the good people who uh, vote in this country. And then in the second hour, we're going to go deep into um, uh, green power, uh, environmental issues. Oh, we got Bob Fatrakis with us. Good to see Bob. Um, and um, California, we have Robert uh, Freeling with us, uh, if I can get him the link, uh, who is going to explain, uh, along with Ron Leonard, the real capacity of rooftop solar in California, which will shock you. I'll give you a little preview. California gets five times as much electricity from rooftop solar as it does from Diablo Canyon. I mean, come on, you know, what else is there to know? I was over the weekend uh, on Friday night with Keith Ellison. He's our headliner today, the uh, Attorney General of uh, the state of Minnesota. I think he's going to be joining us around around the half hour. Uh, so uh, let's get rolling here. Uh, as usual, the first hour is going to be election issues. Second hour will be mostly environmental issues. Although I did read a headliner today. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. The hardliners in the Kremlin are attacking Putin because he has not attacked the nuclear power plants in Ukraine. I'll repeat that. The hardliners in the Kremlin are attacking Putin because he has not blown up the nuclear power plants in Ukraine. It doesn't get any more terrifying than that. So we will come to that in the second hour. Uh, Emily Levy, uh, you are with uh, uh, the founder, the uh, CEO of We Got You Unmuted, Emily? Asked to unmute. How I'm unmuted. Yes, you are, you're good. So why don't you take five or 10 minutes? Um, uh, Emily has been with us from the, from the get-go. She does training and a whole lot of other stuff on um, um, uh, election protection. And um, she's apparently standing in front of a barn. So if we see an owl flying by, you will know what's going on. So go ahead, Emily, and let's, <laughs> well, let's hear what you got. Thanks so much, Sluggo. I'm, I'm glad to see all of you here. I haven't been on this call in a while. Um, Scrutineers, for those of you who may not be familiar with us, is a about two and a half year old election protection organization. We are nonpartisan, we are national, and we operate 
primarily online. We have a membership site where people can communicate with each other about what they're working on. We, we offer a lot of trainings, which become a training library. After each one is presented live, it becomes part of our training library for our members. Any of you who are not members are welcome to come join us at sweeteners.org. But I want to talk to you about um, a couple of things that we are working on. One of the things that we really try to do, we've got about a thousand members and we they're spread all over the country. Last I checked, we had members in 44 states. And we really try to look for what are the needs in terms of protecting the elections that no one else is taken care, taking care of and see how we can step in and try to address those needs. And as a result of that inquiry, our biggest focus this year is a project that we're calling the AFTER Project, Act for Trusted Election Results, which is encouraging people to observe the processes uh, involved in counting the votes and pro basically processing the election that happen primarily starting election night and up until elections are certified and any audits have taken place. Some of these activities happen before the election, um, for early voting, but we're focused on teaching people how to observe the processes that happen, including um, the counting of the votes, the um, auditing of the votes, determining which provisional ballots are going to be counted and all that sort of thing. So it's something that we're asking people to, to do in their local area, either in the election office or in the warehouse or wherever the vote counting centers are. And the part of the reason that we are focused on this is that we think that this project is a way to, to strengthen the bridge between the traditional voting rights movement that tends to focus on making sure everyone can vote and the election transparency or election security part of the voting rights movement that focuses on what happens to the votes after they're counted. So the voting rights movement recruits thousands of volunteers at every election to register voters and get out the vote. And they're primarily done with their volunteers when the polls close election night. So we're encouraging those groups to send their members to us or host us for to offer our training and encourage the volunteers to continue on until the election is truly complete. So we have a training, a basic training that we give for this after project um, work of observing the post-election processes. It's, it happens in a one hour training session and then we have supplementary materials for anyone who would like to go deeper in their learning. So what I wanna invite all of you to do is um, three things. One is to come to our training if you haven't yet. And the second is if you're involved with another organization that has volunteers doing anything related to the election, up until election night, invite us to come present our training for your organization's audience. And then the third thing is to prepare to observe yourself in your community. You can get all the information about these things at scrutineers.org slash after. Um, and we, our next training is coming up October 1st, which is a Saturday, 10 in the morning Pacific, one in the afternoon. Eastern. So I encourage you to sign up for that if you haven't attended it yet. And then, and one of the of of the things, so our there's the basic training that's just about why it's important to observe, what kinds of things you should 
do to prepare, what to expect to see when you go to observe and that sort of thing. And then our additional training material goes deeper into things like the different locks and seals that are used and which ones are safer and what to watch for if you're watching the processing of provisional ballots and things like that. And also we have an expert session on nonviolent conflict response so that people can be prepared if they're going to a place where they anticipate that there will be disruptors there to give you some ways to prepare to deal with that. Um, so that's that one project. And there's two other quick things I'd like to tell you about or things I'd like to tell you about quickly. One <laughs> is we recently did a training, um, co-sponsored a training with Boulder Advocacy and this is for those of you who are leaders in other organizations that was about nonprofits protecting fair election administration. What can, and it specifically was about election related nonprofits working on elections. There's, there's um, kind of a little bit of flexibility in things that, that nonprofits that are focused on elections can do that other nonprofits can't do. And so that's what this training is focused on. And if you would like access to the um, to the recording of that training, you can drop me a note in the chat. If you're on the Zoom, if you're listening to this elsewhere, you can message us through our website at scrutineers.org and just ask for a link to the recording of the Boulder Advocacy Training. And then the third thing, which I'm really excited about, this is my final piece, is coming up on October 9th, we are doing a forum with an organization called Trek the Vote, T-R-E-K, the Vote, which you can find at trekthe.vote, which is mobilizing the Star Trek fan base to help protect elections. <laughs> and um, I like that. so- I can never Brett, do this. Say it again? Are you able to do this hand thing? I've never been able to do that. I oh, can there we go. do it. I yeah, can. there you go. Okay. Um, um, so Tim Russ, who is an actor from Star Trek Voyager, I believe, is going to be the moderator and the speakers on the panel will be Benny Smith, Lynn Bernstein, and me. That's coming up on October 9th. The publicity isn't out about, about it yet, but um, we'll be publicizing it everywhere as soon as all the information is available. So that's what I've got for you today. And if anybody has questions and there's time for them, I'm happy to, to take them. Well, I have not about, about Star Trek, Emily, you're fantastic. It was a great presentation. Thank you. And um, about Star Trek, did you know that Dr. Martin Luther King was a Trekkie? And that um, he, he actually asked Uhura to stay on the show. She wanted to leave the show and he encouraged her as a symbol of, uh, of racial um, integration. I had heard that, yes. Right, so I never really looked at his ears. Did he have, uh, anyway, okay. So does anybody wanna ask Emily? We have 89 people on the call. Um, any, any questions? Emily, you put your um, uh, co contacts in the chat there, please. Um, I will do that. Yes. Jennifer Carius has a question. Go ahead, please. Hey, Emily, thanks for continuing to do this work. I was wondering with the poll tapes being all the work being done last election cycle, if was there anything kind of revealed and proven to have happened from all those efforts of yours and smart elections working on that stuff? Do you have anything to share with regards to the last election cycle about stuff that was found? 
So I know that smart elections found some irregularities and I don't have them in the tip of my brain about what they were. And basically we're still covering a small enough part of the country with these projects that, that, that what we're doing is collecting information that can be combined with other evidence that's produced and looked at carefully in places where there are some indications that there are problems with the election results. So, um, so it's really important that we keep taking images of poll tapes on election night all over the country, every place that they're posted publicly, even if in a particular election, we, we don't find something. Um, and in fact, I really believe that simply the act of capturing that information makes it less likely that the electronic voting systems will be manipulated because it makes it so much more likely that any manipulation would be caught. It would be good still to know. Yes. Uh, yes. What, what was found, um, also in, given the light that candidates are now saying to not concede, um, we could look at that as well, how to respond. Yes, and I, I mean, whether or not candidates concede has no, it's not a legal thing, you know, it's like, it's part of the public's perception of the election, but it, it if an election is challenged, whether a candidate conceded or not is not is not legally significant. Right, there's no legal way to a concession, is there, Emily? I that's mean, somebody could actually concede. I'm not an attorney, but that's my understanding. Right, right, but, but you play one on TV. Um, okay. <laughs> Jennifer, does that answer your question? Anybody else? More, more Jennifer? You're good? Oh, yeah, um, yeah, thanks. It, it seems important to know while we're promoting that work to, to know what we're finding in terms of irregularities. So I, I don't believe that there were significant irregularities found in the places where there were poll tapes in the 2020 election. And there may be one, I know that there was an, an irregularity found by smart elections, but I don't know when they checked it out in other ways, what what the conclusion was. I'm sorry, I don't remember the answer to that in, question. In North Carolina, they have some issues with getting images of poll tapes. I believe Jennifer Roberts was involved with that. And uh, whether she succeeded or not, I don't think that happened, but maybe Joel Joel Siegel can point, point us in the right direction there. Wendy Lederman has a question. Go ahead, Wendy. Thank you so much. Um, I was just wondering, Emily, real quick, um, for someone who's completely unfamiliar with this whole um, this whole world of, of checking elections and stepping in, what would be the easiest first step that someone is completely naive could help get involved in just something simple for them to, to take their first step into this world? Thank you so much for being with us. Sure. Thanks for the question. So the, the, the training that we do for the after project is really designed for people who have never done any kind of work like this before. So that would be my recommendation for people to start out and they'll learn a ton, both they'll learn some from the training. And then if they do the observation, they will learn a lot more about how elections work. Thanks now you have like a $1 pay thing, paywall that people got to get through. Yes. To join scrutineers, there is a, a $1 and 99 cents. It's actually twice as much as you said, Sluggo. Oh one, one time fee to join. And that's just something that we do to keep bots out of the site. Um, and if that's a bots problem, or anyone, butts. did you say that again? Bots or butts? Sorry, go ahead. We, as far as I know, and I don't know for sure because we are mostly virtual, everyone who's joined does have a butt. 
Um, I, I, I can't actually document that, but as far, as far as I'm aware, that's true. So it's bots, not butts that we're trying to keep out. Okay, that's a great bumper sticker, bots, not butts. Okay, Jeffrey, uh, uh, very quickly, very quickly, Jeffrey. And I, I would prefer butts, not bots, if we're going there. <laughs> we got plenty of butts to deal with in this country. I do want to say one thing, I've not done this before. Um, I, you know, when I'm looking at these calls, I see all of you in a gallery and um, I see like your bedrooms and your your bathroom doors and stuff like that. So Steve, uh, Steve Caruso, can you very quickly describe to people how they can put a more scenic background um, in, when they're on their calls? I mean, I like Paul Newman seeing Franklin Roosevelt there, but you know, Steve, how do you do it? Okay, so what you got to do is go down to your video section <clears throat> on the left. It's got a little camera stop video and up arrow next to it. And then choose virtual background there. You can choose an image. Uh, you can choose a video, a small video clip if you have it uploaded. You can, here's a video clip of them counting votes in Maricopa County via John Brakey. Um, you can upload an ad, there's a little plus button on the right. There's them moving garbage up the hill there with a bunch of crackers. <laughs> we don't need to see that. That's the Republican Party, thanks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you got, that's an image I downloaded, Jeanette. Right, Jeanette's got this one here. That's come standard with the uh, app. There's, uh, oops, what's that? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and also, we we do we would like you to please avoid the Pornhub app there. Oh, this is a family show, so don't don't do that one, okay? Or the Hustler. I mean, I write for Hustler, but you know we don't need them on the show here. Okay, all right. Thank you for that, Steve. If anybody wants, maybe Steve, you can put a quick description in the chat for those of us who can't follow this stuff quickly. Cynthia, I see you're in a car. I hope you're not driving. That's the one rule is uh, you can be in a car, but please not mobile unless you're not driving. All right, Cynthia? So we, the last thing we want is have a wreck in the middle of one of our conversations. Uh, um, um, someone else, uh, uh, Jeffrey, I didn't get you, and there was someone else who raised a hand uh, to talk to uh, Emily real quick. All right. Okay. Can I, can I what, yeah, go ahead real quickly, Jeffrey. One thing, just all one right. thing. I was going to say too, too, real quick. I just wanted to say, can the can the scrutineers be help helpful for people with high functioning autism, and can people with high functioning autism join the scrutineers? People with high. Thank you for that question, Jeffrey. People with high functioning autism can definitely join scrutineers, um, and I don't want to make any generalizations about what any person can or can't do based on on a disability. So the thing to do is to to join and let us know what your accessibility needs are so we can do our best to address them. Very well stated. Thank you for that, Emily. And I see you you switched now behind you. You've got the stairway to heaven by Led I Zeppelin. Have, I have a- I love a that. That's stairway in my neighborhood. Yes. Okay, I wanna- Thank uh, you so much, everyone. Uh, okay, uh, John Steiner and then Bill Fleming. John? Uh, Emily, just wanna be sure you put your uh, email address in chat. Okay, we'll do. Thanks. Now, since you see you're in a car, now you're on your side, so we don't know if your car is flipped over. Can you? Can, there you go. Okay, very good. Um, Bill Fleming. 
I've, uh, I've had people asking or seen emails of, uh, requesting help with poll watchers. Have you offered uh, your training for them as well so that they can know more about election law and some of their, their policies as well as yours? Thank you so much for the question. So poll watchers um, are something that are different from, from observers and our, our training focuses specifically on observing at the vote counting centers, which, and what happens there is different from what happens at the polls. So um, we would refer people to other organizations that train poll watchers. Poll watchers are also generally speaking partisan and trained by the parties and we're a nonpartisan organization. But we, we prefer to have nonpartisan poll watchers. We nonpartisan poll watchers are actually not allowed in a lot of places. Oh, really? Well, yeah. And even that. even with the observers, like, like we're and watch and observe, those two words mean similar things. But in elections, poll watchers and observers mean mean different things. Though those terms are also used in different ways in different states, just to confuse us. Um, but what I was gonna say is in some states, even the observers observing the, the vote count procedures are have to be partisan, um, which is ridiculous. And we go over that in our training, let people right. know kind of what the requirements are in their state. And we all know that someone who's very, very well aware of the power of poll watchers is Steve Bannon, who's been arguing for you know a year now that he wants all his fascist buddies to come in and be poll watchers and election um, officials and, uh, you know, people at the at the election sites so they can choose who gets to vote. And this is a huge deal. I have an article coming out tomorrow at Truthout about this, and I will be sending the link and we'll, we can discuss it next week. So uh, does anyone else have a question for Emily? Emily, you're fabulous. Um, um, who else? Okay. All right, listen, Emily, we want you to keep coming back. We've been missing you, so keep coming on the on the calls if you would. Um, I'm gonna- Thank um, you so much, Lego. Thank you. Uh, I'm gonna do one thing. Um, uh, Wendy, oh, um, uh, Julie, can, is this about New York? No, go ahead, Julie, go ahead. Ask what you want. Julie Wiener, go ahead. I'm trying, oh, there we go, I got unmuted. Um, oh. No, I just wanted to add that, um, Lulu Freistadt Smart Elections um, is having a, um, at her 7.30 p.m. Tuesday Eastern Time uh, Smart Elections website uh, TV program. She's going to be discussing nonpartisan, nonpartisan election obser observing. Okay. So it's another opportunity for people to learn about another initiative on this or a parallel initiative You've on this. You got a link for that, Julian, and can put it in the chat. I'll there. put it in the chat. And I know Emily, you work with Lulu a lot, so uh, yeah, uh, yeah. But I do. I would love to share what's going on in New York. Very brief announcement, really. Well, you know what? I'd like you to share it with um, Keith. When Keith Ellison comes on, great I want to, to do that. What's going on in New York? Because he should know. Okay, okay so terrific. Thank you. About four minutes. I do want to slip. There is a um, <clears throat> a Yiddish term called Hakachinik which means that somebody keeps telling you that you got to do something. So Wendy has been urging me to talk about Constitution Day. And I want to, um, uh, we just had Constitution Day. I think everybody should be aware that the real Constitution of the United States came from the Haudenosaunee 
the Iroquois Confederacy. And I'm sure uh, Tatanka will back me up on this. We had a constitutional government in North America. It was the most advanced democracy in the history of the world. It was the Iroquois Confederacy or the Haudenosaunee, which means people of the longhouse. It was extremely sophisticated. They had an annual Congress where representatives from the five nations came into the Onondaga territory and they uh, sat around the fire. Uh, the, the chiefs were all men, but I think as I've explained on this call, the tribes were run by the women. And, uh, and the women, <laughs> and the, the reason the men were, uh, were the chiefs was explained yeah. by a woman named Audrey Shenandoah, who said that uh, she was asked why it was if the <clears throat> uh, women ran the tribes, why were the men the chiefs? And she said, well, it gives them something, it gives them something to do and it makes them feel important. So, but when we celebrate Constitution Day in this country, we celebrate the 55 white guys who got together in Philadelphia and drew up this document, which was really full of holes and basically designed to protect our property interests. The real constitution of what became the United States was with the indigenous. And we need to know better about how their societies worked. They operated generally on consensus. Most of the tribes and nations in North America were in fact matriarchies, which we are becoming again, but not fast enough. And uh, but I will say that, you know, the, the most profound and important uh, transition of power, culturally, politically, economically in the world, and of course in the United States is the transition of power from men to women. Uh, you know, we get, we've had a couple thousand uh, years of civilization so-called being run by men, hasn't worked out that way that well, and that women are, are taking over now. But if we wanna celebrate Constitution Day, uh, look, at, I will send you a free PDF if you want uh, of the people's spiral of US history, which I know Tatanka and, um, and Joel have read and they both passed their exams very well. So, um, um, uh, but uh, write me at solartopia at gmail. But when we, uh, when we celebrate uh, Constitution Day, we really need to be, and you know, when these jerks on the Supreme Court call, talk about originalism, they need to talk about indigenous originalism, which is, you know, uh, which is a way different picture than the Constitution that um, uh, the, the, you know, Washington, Jefferson, and, and uh, well, Jefferson wasn't there, Franklin, Madison, that these guys broke up, what wrote up. And the one guy who really understood uh, the indigenous was in fact Ben Franklin, uh, the true father of our country. So that's my spiel on Constitutional Day. Constitution Day. Thank you, Wendy, uh, for, for hawking me a Chinook on that. Don't ask me to spell it, but Joel could probably spell it. He's a, he's a Yiddish booker here. So, you know. Uh, okay, let's continue now. As soon as uh, anybody spots, oh, Keith is here. Keith Ellison is here. Um, uh, Keith, uh, do you want to get unmuted and we will uh, uh, bring you in here? Keith, what do you got? Attorney General of the state of Minnesota. I saw you Friday night here. In LA, oh, you're a co-host, Mazel Tov, uh, uh, right to the top of the food chain here. Keith Ellison, let's see if we got you. Steve, uh, Mike, can we feature uh, uh, Keith? How you doing, Harvey? Oh, there you go, Keith, all right. Uh, uh, good for you, do I see you somewhere? I see you. Oh, there you're you are, there you are. I, I see like you. you're in Maui. As they say in, uh, in um, uh, Avatar, which is the second one's about to come out, I, I will be the first one in the studio to see the second uh, avatar. 
But as they say in Avatar, I see you. And I saw you Friday night here in Los Angeles. It's a small world. I assume you're back in Minnesota? I am in the great state of Minnesota as we speak. And the heading woman to right Wisconsin tomorrow. The woman right next to you uh, is in St. Cloud, Hetty Tripp. So we have exactly 100 people uh, on the call for you. Uh, you are a big draw. Uh, of course, we put out that, in fact, Bruce Springsteen was coming. But oh, there you go. There uh, we go. At, at the house in L.A. And um, uh, 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 it was great to see. It was a lovely event. Um, uh, thank you for doing that, Steve. So, Keith, you are the Attorney General of the state of Minnesota. Right. You are also the Chief Prosecutor in the George Floyd case. True fact. Um, and uh, we are about, we have, uh, the 100 people that are with us here are about saving the environment. And also, when I hit you up with a question about uh, Northern States Power and Prairie Island and Monticello, the two nuclear plants. But right. uh, we also want to start with you on election protection. You are running for re-election as the Attorney General of the state of Minnesota. Sure. Um, and um, what are the key election protection issues in Minnesota? And as a national figure, you were a couple of votes away, I think only one vote away, from becoming the chair of the Democratic National Committee, which, you know, um, you know if I could have voted 10 times, I would have. Um, <laughs> it'd be a very different world, really, if you were now the chair of the Democratic National Committee. Um, but tell us, uh, going into the elections now, what are the key issues? What are, how do we protect the vote? And what are you looking for in the upcoming uh, election? Well, let me tell you, Minnesota is the top voting state in the United States. We, we have the highest turnout over year over year. Consistently, we do. We have same-day voter registration. We have no excuse um, vote, um, um, vote by mail. Uh, we you know, Minnesota is a pretty good place to cast a ballot. Um, so I got to tell you, we we certainly need your help. We certainly want your help. But I don't believe that our problem is that someone is going to steal the vote. That doesn't mean we don't need election protection. We have a great secretary of state. His name is Steve Simon. Every time he comes to talk to people, he says he's in the democracy business. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, that's a good business to be in there, Steve. Wonderful guy. But uh, he is on the ballot. I'm on the ballot. The governor's on the ballot. Uh, the lieutenant governor's on the ballot. The state auditor's on the ballot. And we're trying hard to get the vote out in a year, uh, the first term, the first first term of the president, uh, the president's um, uh, term, which is historically not a great year for the president's party. Uh, but this year we uh, are putting in massive effort to turn the vote out. We believe that it is absolutely essential to drive turnout. Turnout means relationships. Relationships means connection. We invite people to co-govern with us. We don't want people to just elect us and then we'll get back to you in a couple of years. We want co-governance. We believe in it. We believe it's critical. Now, in my election, I have, uh, you know, in my service, I represent the Secretary of State. So uh, we are very consistently fighting on behalf of the state to extend voting rights. My office actually joined with other uh, state attorney generals to sue the United States Postal Service. When last election in 2020 and in, in 2018, they tried, tried to throttle the mails. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. But, um, not, no, not 2018, uh, you know, 2020. They tried to throttle the mails. 
So we did that. And, and, and then we also, I actually agreed uh, with a, a plaintiff that the Voting Rights Act uh, preempted Minnesota law, which allow Minnesota law only allowed people to assist voters on three, three occasions. The federal, the federal voting rights law says you can uh, assist as many people as you want. We agreed that the state law was in conflict with the federal law and the federal law supreme. So we expanded that opportunity for people to get assistance in voting. But we and we also sued people who said that they were going to come up and stand around voting places with guns. So there were couple there were couple of law couple of firms that I had to bring a lawsuit against because they were going to they were recruiting military and police personnel to stand guard at polling places in Minnesota. So we said, look, that is voting intimidation. You can't do it. If you try it, we're going to sue you. And we did sue them. And then, uh, and so we were successful in that and they backed down. So we do a lot of voter protection. What's coming up now? Well, what's coming up now is I'm on the ballot myself. We do have a team that does voter protection at, at our office. Um, and our team has been working with Steve, uh, Steve Simon's team at the Secretary of State uh, quite a lot to protect the vote. So we're with you guys. We believe in what you're doing. We think it's absolutely critical. And I just want to tell you, if you can help me get reelected, you'll be reelecting a attorney general who is committed to all people voting, who is committed to a safe and clean environment, who is committed to helping people, working class people afford their lives, who uh, I, that's what I do. That's my my mission is to help people afford their lives and live with dignity, safety, and respect. Uh, and that means, and that's what we do. Uh, Keith, if you'll put your contacts in the chat, that would be great. And what we would, all, I'm sure people will be glad to contact you. What we need from you is a, a, a piece of um, a guide or a piece of literature telling us, um, uh, and maybe heading uh, those people that can work with you telling us how you, in fact, conduct your elections in Minnesota. Clearly, yeah, you're shoulders ahead of most of the rest of the country. For example, <laughs> the lawsuit you filed would be of great interest. We could post the link to the lawsuit on our website to, so that people can have access to that. Sure. Let, let's see what we can do to do that. Because I, uh, I'm not the greatest at computer stuff. Hey, let me ask a quick question. Mark Rancini, are you on the call tonight? Let yourself be seen if you are. I'm here, kid. Can you can you uh, help Harvey put that stuff up there, um, our link, and then also if you can find that lawsuit we filed, uh, and then put it in, put it up there, protecting the vote, just so people kind of know what we're up to. That'll be a big help. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, we appreciate that. And uh, by the way, Mark, you have a great radio voice. You ought to consider. He does. Time. He really does. Hey, Mark, did I, I've told you that, haven't I? You have. Multiple people have. It's in my next life, everyone. That's what I'll be doing. All right. <laughs> well, when you're ready to go, we'll get you a good agent. Um, um, John, um, Ray McClendon, are you on the phone? Keith, do you know Ray McClendon from the uh, Atlanta and the Georgia NAACP? How you doing, Ray? Doing great. You hanging so, in there? Always good to see you. Yeah. How, yeah. You, how you holding up, bro? Hey, you know, we're in the middle of a battle down here in Georgia. Oh, we know. And um, with you. Uh, things are very close, very tight. 
Uh, yeah. And right now we're encouraging get it, getting the vote out with all of our grassroots organizations across the state. We're focused on uh, about 60 counties that represent 90% of the non-white vote. And that's where we're spending our time and energy uh, following up on what we did in 2020. Uh, and the, and of course, as you well know, the, the runoffs that we had for the two Senate seats on January sure. of 2021. So well, we're well, using that ask, same game plan. Well, well, let me, let me just tell you, man, that uh, we're sending nothing but love and support your way. We believe in you, all you're doing. Uh, Stacy and representative Raphael, I mean, Senator Warnock, we think are wonderful leaders. And uh, we're just with you all the way, 100%. Well, one thing you, uh, you probably know is that Ray, along with um, um, uh, uh, Andrea Miller and others, uh, and Joel Siegel have produced uh, a document. Um, uh, the is, is, my buddy, is my buddy Joel Siegel on the line? Yes, he he's got his hand up there. And, Joel uh, Siegel, that's a fine G young man right there. How you <laughs> well, doing, young fellow? Well, don't, don't confuse him by calling him a young fellow. I mean, hey, uh, Keith, good to hear your voice, man. Hey, man, <laughs> looks like you got a little hair, facial hair since I've seen you last. Well, that's because I lock it up here. <laughs> <laughs> you got to make up for it somehow, man. You know. <laughs> so, Can I ask a question, Sluggo? Real quick, Joel. Well, I want to uh, one sec, Joel, and then you'll come in and Steve. Oh, sure, sure. I, I, I want Keith, you and Ray. I mean, the, the voting conditions could not be more different than in Minnesota. They're from Florida, I'm from Georgia and Florida. I mean, it's like we got separate countries here. And, and, and Ray has been instrumental in producing this great document, the Georgia Miracle, or now called the Georgia Way. And if you could coordinate with him and Joel and Steve Caruso, who's got his hand up, is our webmaster. And Mark, if you can get with Steve Caruso so that we can produce you know, uh, something that compares and contrasts the voting conditions in Minnesota with the voting conditions in Georgia, you know, that would be very helpful. I will tell you right now that I am of the opinion that if the voting conditions in Georgia were the same as in Minnesota, uh, Stacey Abrams would be governor and, uh, you know, none of this craziness would be going on. Uh, but as I'm sure Ray will attest, it's not the question is, in Georgia is not what do the people want, is how can they get they get to vote and how can they get votes yeah. counted? So I'm sure Ray is envious of your situation in, in Minnesota now, and we got to figure You're out- You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, Sluggo. And in, in addition, uh, we have some major voter challenges from uh, Republicans that are going on. In one county, Gwinnett County, which is one of the metro uh, counties around Atlanta, there have been 37,000 uh, voter registrations challenged uh, since July, 37,000. In Fulton County, where Atlanta is, where we are, uh, there's another 15,000. So there's a concerted effort to challenge our voters. Uh, and, and the process now is there's unlimited under SB 202, which is the, the bill that Slogo was referring to, it had a lot of issues in it, but one was it allowed individual voters unlimited voter challenges. And so we're faced with that now coming up on an election and we're hearing that they're gonna be even more. We're about to sue 
several counties about the way this, this is happening. So in addition to trying to get the vote out, trying to get people comfortable with the changes that ha have occurred with absentee ballots, with drop boxes and all of those things from SB202, now we're having to deal on top of that with voter challenges across the state. It's really, really sinister. Uh, uh, let me go to Joel Siegel and then Steve. Uh, Joel, uh, go ahead. Yeah. Hey, uh, Keith, uh, Mr. John Conyers is smiling down on you from heaven. I just want to <laughs> tell you that he, he loved you so much because he felt yeah, likewise. He's a good man. Um, so good to see you. Love you much. Um, in terms of um, you got all these folks like Ray McClendon, who is, in my opinion, one of the chief architects of um, relational organizing and getting out the vote by doing, you know, barbecues and fish fries and going door to door. I've, I've never seen anyone like Ray before, but there's other African-American and people of color who are trying to get out the vote in their respective communities. But the, always the big question is, you know, funding for the precinct captains, you know, funding for people who can actually, you know, bring people to the polls. The question I have is, how do you, how do local folks who need to raise money, could they go to the Democratic Party and, and get some funding? Like I was just with Jamie Harrison this last week, but what do we do with this funding crisis, this gap where the Democratic Party funds the consultants and the TV commercials, which you got to have, but what about the people who are actually going door to door and doing all the work? Well, yeah, I, I hear exactly what you're saying. I mean, I certainly believe that that is what we should do. The Democratic Party should help support people who are doing the real work of getting out the vote. Uh, but I'll, in Minnesota, we have a table uh, led by uh, people uh, who... You know, some of them have a lot of wherewithal, uh, meaning it's a lot of money. Others are union leaders. Uh, and we so we have a table that actually people apply to to get the grassroots vote out. Um, I don't know if you, anybody on the call knows a guy named Jeff Blodgett here in Minnesota. But Jeff Blodgett, who used to be a staffer for Paul Wellstone, leads a group called Win Minnesota. And what they do is just raise money and then just give it out to people who are getting out the vote. So that's something that we we do here in Minnesota. I don't think it's enough. Uh, it is kind of make metro centric. We're trying to get more support for rural and greater Minnesota, uh, but uh, you know it's what we have, and you know we've we've been successful <clears throat> in getting the vote out. In fact, early vote in Minnesota starts September twenty third. I don't know if y'all know that early vote starts. I mean the election begins on Friday for us, you know, and I tell people the election does not take place on November 8th. It ends on November 8th. That's the end of the election at 8 PM. And if you're still in line at eight, you can still vote. In some places, not in Columbus, Ohio, though they shut the door on people. Really? Uh, some, yes. That's they, crazy they, in hell. They do. It's totally illegal and they do it. And speaking of Columbus, Ohio, we got Steve Caruso. He's our engineer, Steve and Mark Riccini. Uh, you, you need to be in touch so that we can get your material. Steve is our webmaster. And so, Steve, we Mark, get, get Steve the stuff, man. Mark yeah. is our top of things. He'll do Hello. it. I put my web address. And, 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 uh, and after Steven. Uh, yes, you're, ne you're next after Steven. Steve, go ahead and then Danette. Yes, I, I don't know what's going on with redistricting in Minnesota. By the way, Bob Vitrakis is here, uh, one of your former professors. Hey, Bob, at Bob. Yeah, how you doing, Bob? 
and uh, I tried to get him to turn his video. His video is now on. His video is on, yeah. And uh, What's let's up, see. Bob? Get his mic. There you go. How you hanging, man? Uh, I'm okay. Good to see you, man. Yeah, What's going man. on with redistricting out there in Minnesota? I want to congratulate both Steve and uh, Bob. On, I'm Keith and Bob on uh, the Lions finally winning a football game. That was, <laughs> congratulations. Hey, the Lions are like 2-0, and aren't they? Something like that, yeah. Who, who, who would have thunk it? Um, so, uh, <laughs> I, 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 Steve, although I'm a Vikings fan now, sorry guys, I had to. Oh yeah, yeah. Up. Well, they beat my Packers, so well, I'm go. still a Michigan fan. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, uh, uh, Steve Caruso, and then uh, Danette. Steve, are you yeah, good? So, what's going on with redistricting in uh, Minnesota? Is there any problem out there with that? Because Ohio's, we're getting whacked over here, man. We need. Oh, some- yeah. <laughs> well, I gotta, I gotta tell you, I wish I, I wish, I mean, I, I think Minnesota is a place where we did a pretty good job on redistricting. I don't, I, I think that we have some inherent biases. It's not perfect, but you know, we have, we can win majorities. I mean, the bottom line is that the lines, are, you know, year over year, when the lines change, the the they're always compared to the last lines. And the last lines weren't very equitable. So when we move the lines, some, to make them slightly more equitable, they get a little better, but they don't get how they should be. So there really is yeah. greater representation in greater Minnesota in the lower density population areas than really the numbers would indicate. Well, you know what we I need on these calls? We need somebody from your office uh, to join with Hetty. I've spent a lot of time in, in Minnesota fighting Prairie Island, and I got to say, it is a sane place. And uh, you, you're way ahead of the rest of the country um, on, on these voter things. We, we need to have an example of where there's an actual democracy in this country. And I, I actually knew Paul Wellstone pretty well, and, you know, we miss him terribly. But yeah, he was uh, a great man. He was a truly great man. And uh, I still wonder about what happened to him. But um, you know, we need people from Minnesota to because you you're you're in a different world than the rest of the, most of the rest of the country in terms of elections, and we need to follow your example. We need to know what you're doing up there. Um, Danette, go ahead, and then Julie Weiner. Danette, thanks, thanks Sluggo. I wanted to actually give an update um, uh, for Keith. Hi, Keith. Nice to see you. Hey, um, Julie. <laughs> oh, it's Danette. Sorry. Oh, Danette. Um, sorry. Yeah, I've been. I've been texting with uh, National Nurses United to get the vote out for Warnock and Abrams in Georgia. And I am getting a mostly positive response. uh, On texting, usually the first response is no response. The second most is usually stop. The third response I've been getting are yeses, like overwhelmingly yes. So, and I actually, we've actually sent out over 150 texts over the last week. And I was actually the top texter with 22, uh, 22,500 texts. So I'm hoping that's going to make a difference um, in how people vote. We'll see how it goes, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed and I'm keeping hopeful about that. Well, thank you for that. Keep up your hard work. You know, we sure need it. Yeah, absolutely. Every vote, every vote matters, you know. Oh, my goodness. Every single one. Every single one. Well, Keith, if you could, uh, I'm harping on this because we need it. If you could designate somebody from your office to be on our calls, so, because you are a leader, and this is why one of the reasons you're on the call, aside from you being such a nice guy, 
is uh, that, you know, you have been a leader in election protection. And Minnesota is a state where it seems to actually work. And your leadership is going to be cr critical going forward on these issues. You're somebody we can refer to in, in office, in a state that's actually could be referred to as a democracy, as opposed to Georgia or Texas or Florida at this point in time. And so if we can keep you on in the loop as a major resource and a leader on this, it's a big deal. So along those lines, this is Julie Weiner. She is in uh, New York. She is a leader in New York and she's got an issue to, that you need to know about. Go okay. ahead, Julie. Hi. Thank you very much for calling on me. Yeah, I have uh, two points I wanna make. Uh, well, first of all, just FYI, uh, Allegra Dengler, who's the chair of Citizens for Voting Integrity in New York, is currently in Minnesota at her family summer home, and she was familiar with Minnesota auditing law. So we've used the several, I mean, one of the ways Minnesota is more democratic than the rest of the country is not just in access to the polls, but in paths to a partial or 100% hand count. And we've been trying to get the legislature in New York to um, to uh, use this model to try and give us hand counts by hand counts uh, accessible by candidates, hand counts accessible by election commissioners, uh, hand counts. We only finally we got a, a low vote margin um, hand count bill, so we finally have one path to 100% hand count, but we want both the paths, the other paths that Minnesota allows. Anyway, I did want to mention to you, and I'm really pleased that Bob Fitrakis is on here too today. Um, Citizens for Voting Integrity has just written a letter to our election commissioners um, arguing that based on Help America Vote Act and on New York State election law, and also on Judge Amy Totenberg's ruling in the um, Center for Common Ground case trying to get rid of barcode counting voting machines or QR code voting machines. We're arguing that this is already illegal under the, that it's already illegal to use any voting machine that counts with a barcode or counts with a QR code because they do not allow for verification. And New York state law and federal law requires verification of the ballots. So we've posted this on a few listservs. We've sent it to our election commissioners and um, we're urging people who may have some influence with our election commissioners to discuss it with them. We got a wonderful signature to the letter from, um, from um, the director of the International Human Rights Clinic at Rutgers, Penny Venitas, who filed one of the first lawsuits in the country uh, demanding that we not use touchscreen voting machines. And, you know, we for a while we've had handmarked paper ballots available, but it's not enshrined in New York state law unless our argument is heard that handmarked paper ballots in the polling places are a right. And of course, I mean, we're arguing that Help America Vote Act requires verifiable ballots, which means you can correct an error in how the vote is going to be counted. That is, a barcode doesn't allow for verification. Anyway, um, well, listen, Akita, you all can help us with that. Yeah. You know, uh, Dorothy, uh, uh, um, Julie is a tremendous activist and extremely effective. 
So uh, just brainstorming here. Again, I'm going to ask you if you can get a designated hitter, maybe an attorney in your office to come with us, you know, and to really work on these issues. We need your leadership nationwide, as Bob Fatrakis, you know, uh, uh, uncovered the uh, the first election fraud in, in, in Ohio, uh, which was, you know, still mind boggling. But we need to have a state attorney general, a, a person of your stature with a legal team that, that, that can give us guidance in a state where we actually have a democracy. Uh, I can't tell you how big a deal that would be. So just bend in your ear on that, just like I bent your ear on the nuclear plants uh, Friday night. Uh, Mike Hirsch, uh, uh, you, you, want, you want to have a word with Keith Ellison and then Jeffrey. Jeffrey set his hand up. Uh, longer. So Jeffrey, okay, go, Jeffrey ahead. go ahead. And then Mike, Jeffrey Tardagua, is that it? It's okay. Can you hear me? Yes, yes we can. Okay. What I, I'm sending you and I'm saying, Danielle, um, the suppress and sabotage the fight to vote. This I saw last night put out by Brave New Films on oh, yeah. YouTube. I'm okay. emailing it to you now. Um, it's just something I thought would be helpful. I couldn't send it to you, Matt, because I or Mike, because I couldn't find your email address. Right now in California, yeah, I'm every day calling to the uh, um, governor's office to for both vetoing and getting bills signed. Um, those are the two things I thought were important to be said to uh, you guys. I think you'll find that suppress and sabotage explaining about voter suppression and what's going on and uh, efforts that are going on in various jurisdictions. Fortunately, not in California, but we've got a governor that, you know, seems to be really wishy-washy, and I think he wants to go after the presidency. And no thank you, but that's my ending <laughs> comment, okay? Well, so there actually is, a, and Bob Petrake is very familiar, there's a pretty good film library on voter, uh, uh, voter suppression and vote theft, election theft, and we should make that available and easily uh, accessible, Steve, on our website. Uh, and of course, accessible to Keith and to, uh, to Ray. It's a big deal to have Keith and Ray together on this call because you guys are like the axis of, uh, of you know, the good and the, and the difficult in terms yeah. of uh, uh, dealing with elections. Uh, Mike Hirsch and then Wendy. Thanks, uh, thanks Lago. Uh, great to see you, Keith. Um, hey, great to see you. Thank you. Um, as we've learned um, that the fossil fuel corporations had and suppressed information about uh, climate, and because of that, they've caused untold deaths and untold trillions of dollars in damages, would it be possible for you and your colleagues as attorneys general to bring a lawsuit similar to the one brought against the tobacco corporations? to force them to give up their ill-gotten gains? Well, I actually have a lawsuit against ExxonMobil, the Coke Industries, and the American Petroleum Institute right now. Uh, the theory of our lawsuit is not uh, that the they cause climate change. The theory is that they lied about it when uh, we, when scientists confronted them, they put together a it, a national multi-million dollar campaign of lies and deception. Now that's just like the uh, tobacco uh, lawsuit. The tobacco lawsuit 
was when you had, uh, you know, tobacco manufacturers saying that cigarettes were good for you, that you were cool if you smoke cigarettes, four out of five doctors smoke cigarettes, smoke a certain brand, and sort of lied to the public about it. And when information was brought forward that it was actually dangerous to your health, they uh, they they dissembled and lied all about that. So our lawsuit is like that. It's like it's like the lawsuit around opioids, which we sued them too, and we're suing them too. Uh, where you know it's like, hey, is this stuff addictive? No, it's uh, just uh, just great pain medication. You know, it's not addictive at all. Now we have a crisis, right? So the climate people have lied. This is a straightforward, um, deceptive trade practices lawsuit that we're pursuing. We have we have gotten our case in state court, which is where we want it. We don't want it in federal court. Uh, we our lawsuit is is moving forward. We've survived summary judgment. Um, we're going to take these people to trial. Fantastic. That's fantastic. I want to point out, as I did to Keith Friday night, uh, Minnesota is in many ways the birthplace, <clears throat> birthplace, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> of the American wind industry. Because, in, uh, and it's all about activism, because in 1994, there was an issue with the two nuclear plants at Prairie Island, and they needed more. Um, they had a deal where they could not store nuclear waste in the middle of the Mississippi River. And uh, they, we, we were about to force them to shut the two reactors. And the legislature cut a deal forcing Northern States power to buy $400 million worth of wind power. And that's, you see all the, wind, all the windmills across the United States, a lot of them had their birth in, in Minnesota. Now, and, and because of activism, didn't happen just because people in, in uh, Minnesota are nice, which they are, but because we came in there and we fought them. And uh, Keith, um, I'm wondering, <clears throat> is there a national organization of progressive attorneys general focused on election protection? Yeah, well, there is. We, we had a, we formed it. It was sort of an ad hoc group and a guy named Norm Eisen. Do y'all know Norm? Who knows Norm? Somebody on here knows Norm Eisen. Norm Eisen is somewhat of a star. He and he works closely with um Mark Elias, and uh, we, I want to put you in touch with them because they have actually been raising money for election protection and really are really sharp lawyers. And you know who the attorney generals turned to when we needed some help? Norm Eisen, okay. <laughs> you know. All right, well, know we'll who knows Norm? Anybody knows Norm? Well, we will. So uh, Mark, if you can uh, send us his contacts and uh, we'll, we'll get, get him on the call. And uh, we'll get your heavy hitter on the call and we'll, we'll, we'll pr proceed with that. Um, uh, thank you for that. Wendy and then Hetty. Thank you so much, Keith. Thanks so much for being with us. Always great to hey, hear Wendy. from you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and amazing with your, your lawsuits. You should um, check out what Romero Institute's doing in California too. It's um, very similar. Back to the um, election protection thing. I'm um, glad we said way back to that. Um, I just wanted to, I know John Brakey, if you remember John Brakey, he was the Senate liaison that went with Ken Bennett to um, uncover the fraud. Yeah, I know he would really love to, to be back to, to talk to you. I'm sure he's really busy. He's actually, um, the state of Arizona or some counties in Arizona are now suing him because he requested um, ballot images, like copies of ballot mm -hmm. images, which for a public record request, he's being sued for that. He's also being um, harassed in, in North Carolina, but yeah, it's kind of a big deal. Um, so he's working on that, but um, I know uh, he was really interested in speaking with you about potentially um, getting the state attorney generals together to create maybe a resolution to have a law to 
to put the preservation of ballot images into law. So he works with Ray Lutz and um, with the election integrity um, group and um, John Brakey has um, Audit USA. So I'll put the links in the chat and, and his contact um, if you wanna have his people be in touch um, because that would be really fantastic. And em Emily Levy is also on the call. She has the group scrutineers that they do a lot of poll, poll, poll watching and it's just on the ground. So it's good to be able to delegate and get the masses together of everyone who's working on these same issues to work as a body together. But I'll put John Brakey's info in the contact and it's really appreciate on um, having you here and um, getting together with everybody. Thanks. Yeah, this, this yeah well, my, my Wendy. pleasure, Wendy. Thank you. The state attorneys general would be a huge resource, especially with your leadership, Keith. Was there an Adam? Was there an Eve? Or did we evolve from what we conceived? Either way, we got what we needed when the sun shone down on the Garden of Eden. 